Welcome to the Too Much Dip podcast. I'm your host today. My name is Dylan. Dave is out. He got so excited in H for the announcement of the uh, first responder bowl <laughs> featuring his uh, Texas State Bobcats against uh, intern Klein's Rice Owls that he had to take the day off and kind of celebrate. We do have KJ here, though, coming to us live from Wisconsin. Happy KJ, to be up? here. Um, you know, I was looking at ticket prices for the Sizzle Squad Bowl, as uh, I plan to call it until it occurs. Um, not going to shock you, but uh, you might not have to look at anything more than three digits. Uh, that includes the decimal, by the way. You might, you might go single figs. Right, <laughs> right. Um, where exactly is this game being played? It's in Texas, no? Uh, home of the SMU Mustangs at uh, go. Gerald... J Ford, maybe Gerald R. Ford, Ford Stadium. Those Texas State Bobcats are actually my Texas State Bobcats as well, not just Dave's, as I attended that university, that fine institution. So big deal for Texas State. How about that? Big, I think it's tremendous. Season. And good, good pull for them to get Rice. I think uh, it'll be Rice without JT Daniels. And, you know, um, uh, to have a local team, at least you have like no excuses for one of the fan bases to travel stronger than the other. Yeah. Uh, so it should be a good turnout. Yeah. Rice also noticeably or notably uh, not awful this year. So good, good for both those programs. Uh, don't know if I'll be going yet, but I will be watching. A lot of good mm -hmm. stuff going on. You watch a lot of college football over the weekend, KJ? I, uh, I did. I watched almost every single minute of the American Athletic Championship, American Athletic Conference Championship. And then I probably watched every single minute of every trophy presentation. I don't know why I was dialed in for that, for every post games. Like, I think everybody gets hyped up for the Dr. Pepper challenge. I was all over the trophy presentations for every single game. And I think the tone was set by the, by the Big 12 championship that morning. Uh, a lot was going on there. Yeah, that was uh, not just because my Texas Longhorns won the game, but I was absolutely glued to the TV for the entirety of the post-game uh, trophy presentation celebration because it, it got there was some drama, and we'll we'll touch on that in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, let's first start off uh, the college football playoff. The announcement, the uh, the committee announcement, was on Sunday. Wow, a lot of drama there as well. Um, <laughs> I think word started to trickle out. Actually, my my number one indicator. I went to uh, to DraftKings, and they had odds yeah. posted, and that was did it. you that, send that Saturday night? Started Saturday night and woke up Sunday morning looking at it. So I had a pretty good indication that Texas was in. Uh, so I felt pretty comfortable. And of course, the FSU game was that was a huge one. Texas needed FSU to lose. They didn't, but they did get get some help from Bama. Um, yeah, I woke up pretty confident that Texas was going to make it in. Uh, the odds between FSU and Bama, however, were pretty even. Actually, I think Florida State was favored slightly when I woke up Sunday morning, Vegas odds, and then it, they kind of Bama kind of caught back up to them. So it was pretty pretty split between those two. And of course, as we know now, Bama one loss, Bama makes it in. And undefeated conference champion Florida State gets left out. What are your Let's initial? Back up. Okay. Yeah, I want to back up just to Friday a little bit, and and I know we'll go through like the Texas game a little bit more in detail and Florida State as well. But I want to back up to Friday night 
we get Oregon, Washington. Yeah. And it was a tremendous game. Entertaining, relatively high scoring. It had everything that, you know, you would hope for from a, like a rivalry game plus conference champion, conference championship on the line type feel. Um, performances were strong. Like that was a very satisfying conference title game. Like you finished that and you were like, okay, you know, now, now we're, uh, we're, we're set yeah. up for a day of success. Um, even if you weren't rooting for Washington or didn't expect them to win, I think it was a very clear cut definitive, like, great. Nobody's going to argue with this result. Washington is in no question about it. Let's move forward. Because I think that people would have felt strongly about Oregon. I th- having I th- one th- loss to Washington and avenging that, like, Kind of like the Oklahoma situation you talked about previously, had they been in the title game. I think the prevailing thought around this game is Pac-12 winner, no matter what, mm-hmm. was going to make the playoff. And of yep. course, Oregon Agreed. lost to Washington earlier in the season. Um, yep. So if they they would have had the redemption of beating them in the conference championship game, uh, and they were just obliterating teams. So Oregon Agreed. was there was a hot program. I think if they had won, even with that one loss, they would have they would have snuck into the, probably the three or four seed, right? I don't want to – yeah, I agree. I, I don't want to waste too much of our time on it, but it does make me wonder. Like, Oregon had a very successful season. I thought they were a good team. I might have even – no, I think we all picked Washington um, because of the nine-and-a-half spread, but still. Yeah, crazy. I wonder to what degree did the unnecessary hype of Colorado matched with, like, the huge statement butt-whooping that Oregon put on them because that was their first loss. Mm-hmm on national television in front of everybody, how much that like brought attention to the trajectory of that team. They, you know, stumble against Washington, but then everyone still has that image in their head of like Oregon's a unit, you know, like yeah. I don't think people were checking back in on them like week in week out, but anyways. Yeah. Oregon, you go to Oregon you, stayed ahead of Texas in the, uh, the playoff ranking uh, since I think since the OU, since Texas lost to OU. So the committee, yeah. In their minds, Oregon was better than Texas throughout the entire season. So you, exactly. that was another indicator that they were going to make the playoff had they won that game. As we know, Washington So then, won. Yeah, so we get what? Big 12 was first Saturday morning, right? Big 12 was first. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I glanced at the schedule going into the day, but you know, I was yeah. you know, busy doing house stuff or whatever. And I <laughs> check in probably mid-second quarter. Or whenever the AD Mitchell catch happened, like that was mm-hmm. really the first time I'd actually you chimed in on that one in our text. Group. It was yeah. already a butt whooping, but uh, I was like, "Oh shit!" Not only is this a butt whooping score wise, but like you watch like four or five plays. And like, yeah, Texas looked the part. Yeah, I talked about this on circling back Saturday. I had my my schedule was completely clear. I woke up, I watched football for twelve hours straight, and it was an amazing day. Beautiful. Yeah, the Texas Oklahoma State Big Twelve Championship game. I was extremely confident in this game. I felt it felt I felt so overconfident that it, it kind of scared me right bet- right before kickoff. But I didn't think Texas would have much trouble handling Oklahoma State. Um, I, I thought it was going to be a statement game for Texas. I thought they needed to impress the committee not just with the win, but with a, a you know a decisive one. So I felt really good about it, and the game went better than I think I even expected. Uh, Quinn Ewers was was just on. He had one really bad interception. May, he may or may not have seen the linebacker there, just kind of sitting in the flat. But he was just on. I mean, he was his 
His short to intermediate passing game has got to be he's got to be the best quarterback in the country when it comes to those. He just he puts the ball right there. He looked really really sharp. And I knew that Texas was gonna was gonna match up well against Oklahoma State because they are a running team. They lean on Ollie mm-hmm. Gordon, who was you know Big Twelve Player of the Year, and he was talking a lot of ish before the game, running up and down the sidelines, yelling "F Texas" to the anyone who could hear him. Talked a lot of shit even after plays, and he he had thirty four yards rushing in the game, and was very frustrated on the sideline. Took his helmet off at one point, was throwing it around, pissed off. Thirty four yards rushing that. They had 31 total as a team for the game, but yeah, just just a great just a great game. Um, and I, at the end of that game, I thought, okay, this is what Texas needed to do to put themselves in a good position for that three or four. I didn't think a three seed was going to be likely, but I thought they would sneak into the four as a one loss team. Um, they just looked so good, man, and I was very very happy to see it. Yeah, it, it definitely. Like, again, I didn't look at the schedule coming into the day, and I think in my head I expected them to have the evening game for some reason. I expected Big Ten to start the day off. Like, that just seemed appropriate. Yeah. Like, just kind of ease into the day with what you know is not going to be great. For some reason in my mind, like, the whole big noon Saturday time slot is like a, you know, a Big Ten thing, CBS 230. I always feel like that always makes sense. I felt like the Big Ten could have – evening game uh, or the big 12 could have had the evening game, but I'm glad it worked out like this. Cause like I said, it was a clear cut dominating victory. And I was still in that mindset of Washington one, lock them in yeah. Texas one, lock them in, you know, knowing that there were some things that needed to happen. The two thirty slate or three o'clock, whatever it was, I was dialed in to SMU and I'm, you know, I don't think we, this is a dumb generic statement, but I don't think enough credit's been given to YouTube TV for just how impressive their multi-view has like been and like the change it's made for sporting, you know, watching sports on a generic Saturday, Sunday, whatever. Because I could have watched both games with ease. I could have just clicked a different button, but I was just that, you know, interested in focusing in on the SMU game um, that I did not pay attention to the SEC title game. And as I kept watching that score kind of stay tight and seeing some reactions, I check in on it. And it was just one of those like, okay, it's an SEC, you know, you know, slug fight or whatever. And then Bama wins. Yeah. And I think that's when online chatter began to kind of really start to like, everybody had talked about, oh, we could have chaos outcome, could have chaos outcome. But about six o'clock right before big 10 and, uh, uh, ACC kicks off, that's when you started getting this big push of people being like, Bama has to be in. There's no way SEC will be out. Like, people had talked about it, but I don't think anybody really was confident that Bama would win and these other things yeah. would happen. I think it's I think it's impossible for the committee to leave an SEC team out. They, I mean, the champion would have to have two losses, I think. Um, but beating Georgia, a team that, I don't know what their winning streak was, 20-plus games, number one team, it's like, okay, Bama has played in, since the Texas game, has played pretty lights out and seemed to be getting better as the season goes on. And so, man, again, like Florida State, my God, I, I feel terrible for Florida State. But, well, no I one wanted to get there. Okay. Okay. We'll get there. I'm sorry. We'll get <laughs> yeah. there. No, no, um, no, no, no. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I just wanted to say, like, because Big Ten, I think we can quickly breeze over. 
Well, let, let me I get don't back. Think anyone? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go let ahead. me get back real quick to the the trophy ceremony after the big. Oh yes. If Shit. I may. I'm sorry, I got way off track. Yes, absolutely. No, it's okay. So we were both dialed in on this. <laughs> yeah. So Texas wins, and Brett Yormark is there, who's the Big Twelve commissioner. And to back things up a bit, at the beginning of the season, he was speaking at some Texas Tech event with donors, and he made comments that uh, he was like, oh, "Look, I'm going to be in Austin for the Big Twelve. Or, I'm sorry." I'll be in Austin for the the Texas Tech game and encouraged. He said, you guys got to get out there and take care of business at Beat Texas, openly rooting against Texas, which is something that you don't see a conference commissioner do. You're supposed to be pretty neutral on the matter. And so he's up there on stage, and then they announce that he's going to hand the trophy over to Texas. And, man, it it was uh, just the the booze just rained down. And he was, I don't know if you, you, you said you watched it. He was visibly shook. He, like, he made some comments like, all right, guys, all right, guys. You know, he tried to like, I'm the good guy here. And then he had to, uh, he had to say Sark's name. He says, I want to congratulate, you know, Coach Sarkeesian. And he said like Garstesian or something. Like he was, <laughs> he was visibly shook. He was really uncomfortable because he knew that the crowd just absolutely hated his guts and he could, they, we could, I think they could barely hear him over the booing. So that was a, a contentious moment and a very uncomfortable one for Brett Yormark, but he brought it on himself. <laughs> there were two things that stood out to me. Um, one, Sark kind of saved him. He had to save him with the whole, like, quiet the crowd, waving downward to the crowd, like, hey, let's take it easy. Which did nothing. Thinking it did nothing for the crowd, but I right. think what what it was infecting, which I think was really maybe the unexpected part for your mark, is the players were chirping very loud. Hopefully, like nothing out of bounds, but it was very clear that they were yelling directly at the commissioner from you know yards away. Not that it matters at that point. You know, it's the day after school. Let's or you know the last bell is rung and school's out for the summer. Like you know, they're not doing anything to you. Um, right. The other element that was just absolute comical is again, I wasn't watching every, you know, the majority of the game to realize the activate, the, uh, brand activation that was going on throughout the game. I, we, we talked about the headline months ago when the WWE and the big 12 announced the partnership. Right. I didn't realize we would have WWE logos at the 30 yard line on both sides. Yeah. I certainly didn't anticipate having six WWE superstars that would go unintroduced with the exception of maybe the undertaker who presented the championship belt for the MVP. Who, by the way, is a huge Texas fan lives in Austin, goes to games. Like he's a big Texas guy. Yeah. He handed Quinn the uh, the MVP trophy. All time. Great photo. Um, (laughs) Like I would put it right up there with whatever the uh, Uga Bevo uh, photo looks like uh, yeah. from that interaction. But that shot stood out to me, not only because it was like, okay, it's very strange. They've got six of them on the stage, just Quinn, just Sark, just Brent Yormack, Yormack, Yormark. Um, there were just way too many of them. You could tell they were talking amongst themselves, like trying to understand, like, why the hell are they booing him so much? Like people who are professionals at baiting people to boo baiting people just to like control that crowd yell. And you could tell all of them were shocked by like how <laughs> yeah. intense it was. And, and they, I was just like, I was watching them cause they were all like, 
in other they had no like, backstory. You know, like, I don't shrugging. know what's going on exactly. here. This, this is supposed to be like a celebratory moment. Like this team just won, and this this guy gets up there in a, in a you know well dressed with the suit on is like just gets just booed into oblivion, man. But yeah, Pretty he was moment. he was shook to his core. I was shocked that he didn't expect it because my brain goes to every commissioner for every sport. It's kind of the tradition to boo them. Yeah. And in these situations, I don't think we get as aggressive boos because you end up getting, and here's the CFO of autonation.com to present the trophy. And like fans don't typically boo that person and they don't care who the commissioner is for the conference USA or whatever. This was just a perfect storm because there was no business person for them to throw it to. They didn't hand it to Vince McMahon first, given his you know, recent issues, but like, it should have gone Brent straight to the undertaker to control the crowd and then back to presenting the title. And he should have said very little because yeah. he gave them way too much space, but yeah, all time. Great moment that weekend. This week, even, he even tried to win the crowd back over by saying, I think Texas deserves a spot in the CFP. Like, all right, <laughs> yeah, man, of course. We, we Cause know. he gets paid off of it. Yeah, exactly. We know what you're doing here, buddy. But I, I look, he brought it on himself. I did feel bad for him a little bit. Like I'm, he might be a, just a totally decent dude. I don't know, but um, and it, it wasn't it wasn't like an isolated comment that he made. He's made he's chirped he's been chirping Texas and Oklahoma for that matter a little bit uh, since since Big Twelve Media Day back over the summer. So yeah, there, there's, he there's some it. precedent here for sure. His yeah. walk off with the uh, Arlington police officer, like. I think the cameras stayed on him, not in case something happened, but because I think the producers caught on to like, we need to see his reaction. Like, why do you need to watch the commissioner walk off? But we got a good 15 seconds of like him with confetti on his suit and next to the police officer who also had confetti on his, you know, yeah. uh, uniform. And I was just like, why are they sticking with this? And I'm like, yeah, it's because he's like looking around, like, how'd that go? That was pretty was, good. And like, you know, you know, that, that type of person who's going to like reframe it to like, Oh, they love to hate me. And he's going to try to like turn it positive, yeah. but the dude looked, was not ready. <laughs> he looked pretty embarrassed. Yeah. So yeah, Texas had their moment. They took, take advantage, rubbed it in a little bit. Um, yes, yeah, so we have the oh, afternoon, the afternoon slate. So Bama wins. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the, you know, the, the, you know the fourteen playoff starts to shape up, and then the app, the the night game we had the Big Ten game, which I don't know that a lot of people watched because it was <laughs> Michigan Iowa, and it was like the the storyline going in was like, is Iowa even going to score points? Mm-hmm. So that game went about as expected, I think, with yeah Michigan very easily handling them. The only other like underlying narrative was the whole like this is. Harbaugh's game back from being suspended. And, you know, there was a, a tiny bit of question you know, because of how the suspension was. He just wasn't allowed to be there on game day. Yeah. It wasn't similar to like being completely out like he was in the beginning of the year. Like, there was a tiny question of like, okay, would there be some disruption due to like, hey, this has been your voice for the last few weeks? But even, we didn't even get that. Um, so yeah, then the Florida State game. That's the game because, I was absolutely glued to. Um, as a Texas fan, I was like, okay, Texas is not for sure in this thing yet, right? I knew that if Florida State lost, Texas was all but guaranteed a spot. That's the game I was glued to. Plus, you have the storyline of Florida State being down to their third string quarterback, true mm-hmm. freshman Brock Glenn, I believe his name is, who had like three passes career going into this game. 
And I knew nothing. I knew, I didn't watch Louisville play all year. I was like, okay, right. they they have a really good record. They've made it. They've made it this far. It's got to be a good ball team. And they had it from what I could tell, a decent defense. Um, but Brock Glenn, he was just lost. I mean, I get it. Like you're starting a conference championship game as a he's 18, 19 years old, and he was just lost. He couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. He was they had a miscommunication with with his line on it on a few plays where he just he didn't wasn't ready for the snap. The dude was just lost, man. I think he threw for like fifty something yards in the game. Didn't throw yeah, an interception. Yeah. Correct. Didn't throw an interception. Which is surprising. Which is admirable in that yeah. position. But I could not believe how terrible, and I feel bad. I was dunking on this guy on Twitter during the game. I, I was, I don't recall many times being angry, just watching someone try to play a sport and, and just being so bad at it. But Jack Plummer, the quarterback for Louisville, oh my God. What, yeah. what was that? I think that is a big part of why Florida State I'll, you know, I'll, I was very clear. I don't usually get into generic online Twitter fights, but to me, it was why it was very clear that Florida State deserved a spot was because their defense is really, really, their really good. Defense is like, legit. Their D line was was giving him a lot of problems, and granted, that's a re- one of the reasons why he struggled for sure. So, props mm-hmm. to the Florida State defense. Yeah, Louisville was at full strength. You know, Brian Brom is a good coach. I'm sure Randy misses them. I'm looking forward to the bowl that Purdue. Jeff Brom. Yeah, well, Brian Brom's the OC. Jeff Brom, the head coach. Uh, Both are there. And yes, I do miss him a lot. He confirms Uh, he misses him a lot. I I, I look forward to seeing Purdue in a bowl next year. Um, But I think there's no question about the fact that they put together a good team. Similar to Florida State, like Norville's been there, hell, what, five years now? Four or five years? Like, Norville should have had depth at quarterback that they don't have. Granted, nobody expects depth for your third QB. I don't, outside of Texas, and even then, I don't think we would be over the moon confident in what Arch would do in a full game in that setting. I don't think there's a, a school out there who's going to roll out their third quarterback and put together much. Texas Tech fell yeah. apart that way. Like it's it's just is what it is, but I do very strongly believe that the next game they would play is a month away. You got to think with four weeks for the other guy to get off concussion protocol, or even with that guy to have Rotomaker. four weeks under his belt of 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 getting ready, Rotomaker or uh, uh, yeah, Zootman, like to get ready for the game. I think they would have put out a better product. So yeah. that was one of several reasons it was very frustrating to me the way that it played out. But still, it's it, had look, they played first in one, I don't think that people would have felt as strongly about leaving them out. Them being paired with Big Ten and Big Ten looking like trash, but nobody was going to say uh, Michigan shouldn't be there. I have a feeling that them playing after everybody else had kind of quote-unquote claimed their spot was another disadvantage. Had they played Friday night and been locked yeah. in or, or Saturday and like the mentality of like, whatever, they struggled, but they they won. I think that the like momentum, you know, it wouldn't have mattered maybe in the result, like in the room, like the committee. But I think the amount of people that were like, this is terrible. We can't see this. I don't want to see them versus Washington. Like because you knew who the other player or other teams were so surely, 
so like confidently, I think that people were just like, absolutely not. And I, I cannot mean, say it loud enough. They got screwed. They got screwed. They got absolutely they screwed. Got screwed. I mean, it boils down to they were left out of the playoff because their starting quarterback is hurt. He's not going to be playing in the playoff. And look, they are absolutely a different team with Jordan Travis in the game. He's a hell of a quarterback, and he was the reason that they got to that point. But justifying leaving a team out because they don't look as good as they did two weeks ago with it because, you know, they had a, you know, a better option at quarterback. It just seems so unjust to me. And I, I, I genuinely feel really bad for Florida state. I mean, if, if there's a silver lining to Florida state fans, like, you know, that if you had made it, it probably wasn't going to go well for you. So it's like, okay, at least you get it. You know, you, you knew that this wasn't going to be the year that you went at all. Right. I mean, Rotomaker wasn't going to take you to a national championship. But still, you deserved a spot. Absolutely, you deserved a spot. It sucks. I feel terrible for them. And the 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 statement that Jordan Travis put out, he's he's heartbroken. I get it, man. And even Norvell says something like, "We're disgusted. We're we're devastated." And look, it's all justified. You got to feel terrible. So there was a, and I'm I'm struggling to find the tweet um, here, but. I'll get it later. Uh, a tweet from a writer uh, who asked the question I thought it was tremendous about the timing of the injury and the results that we got and Florida State's handling of the injury. There's no way that Florida State could have hid, handled it differently or, like, disclosed things differently with Jordan Travis. Like, they flat out, you know, came out and said he was out for the year. They reported it as they needed to. Yeah. Thinking back to, like, our rumbles all first six weeks of like, oh, Cam Rising might be playing, might not be playing. Like we played that game on this show and we don't really even care about Utah. Dave does. But we talked about that week in, week out because Utah was very tight-lipped about the status of Cam Rising. Eventually, like in week 10, he came out and was like, oh, my knee injury was way more significant than we yeah. publicly said. I'll be back next year. And... If Florida State would have said it's a week-to-week thing with Jordan Travis, we don't expect him back, hopefully, by the conference title game. You know, we we would plan for him to be back by bowl game. Um, we're working through it. Like, if they would have been able to pull that off, I don't know. Well, I if didn't that see— If that gets held against them as, as strongly. I didn't see the play where he broke his leg. But wasn't it a pretty obvious, like, this yeah, dude's yeah. out in situation? This, in this instance, it, it was pretty clear. But yeah. we also know, like, you can still float the x-rays, came back, getting second opinions, and not say yeah, definitively if so. you wanted to. I guess But so. now going forward, if you're the school, not only, like, can you, you're kind of incentivized to do that now. Or to be more yeah. – or to pull the USC approach of, like, nobody's talking about anything because it just costs Florida State, the ACC, yeah. millions of dollars regardless of what product goes out. Jeez. You know, Michigan got embarrassed on the national level. Florida State doesn't care. It's collecting a check. So, yeah. granted, they're going to still, you know, do well in the game against Georgia from a money-wise standpoint. I'm going to tell on like, you know, success. Like, it just created so many different things that I just – I don't think that there was any negative impact on quote unquote college football as a sport. If Alabama gets left out, people can riot and, you know, beat their chest about the strength of the sec and say that, 
all of these things matter. And then people can go out and look at like genuinely, I looked at 14 different teams. I don't really care about schedule to try to figure out, well, like was the sec good quote unquote, or did they like prove themselves by winning in non-conference ways? Like they'll probably go dominate the bowl, the bowl uh, schedule, which who knows what that means. Like, you know, that usually means they're the deepest, healthiest team at that point in the year because, like, Caleb Williams already said he's not playing. Yeah. Uh, Several teams, like, don't have players play. I don't think that's going to justify saying it's the SEC they deserve to be in. If it did, they should have just said SEC's in regardless. Unless, like you said, two-loss team, which in the past I guess we've had that, but that should have been a clear cut they're in. And I I guess it, it was. Sorry to uh, extend this one more time. No, you're fine. When they kept Georgia first overall, when Michigan number three beat Ohio State number two or whatever it was, four versus two, at that point in the season, that should have been the strongest victory outside of like Ohio State beating Notre Dame like five versus three early in the season. Like that was the highest ranked ranked team over ranked team during the season. Mm-hmm. That should have put Michigan at number one going into this final week. And then you're talking about Alabama or Georgia falling from two to six or five, whatever, as opposed to one to six and people just being up in arms about it. Because they didn't make that move, they're saying, oh, Georgia coming off a average performance against Georgia Tech or dominating Florida, like they were clear cut the number one. Or you're saying we're giving them credit for what they did two years ago and last year, Yeah, which is just insane to me. Throwing out like who, who is deserving of the four playoff spots. Do you think they had, they put the four best teams in? You think they got that part of it, right? I don't know. I would probably say Ohio state would deserve just as much of a, a look as Alabama does at that point. Ohio state and Georgia, I think are probably, they're both top five teams, right? One of them, yeah. one of them at least, is probably one of the be- four best teams in the country. It's it's you know not winning the conference is what did them in. Obviously, did right. not like, state. But if we say that they didn't have conference divisions, like they'll Big, yeah. Big Ten's getting rid of it next year, SEC's getting rid of it next year, and Ohio State, Michigan play in the conference championship game. Like, do we feel different about Ohio State? And I don't think people are viewing it that way. What's weird to me, or not weird, but what would be wild, Iowa deserved to have one loss and not two. They yeah. lost to Penn State. They got embarrassed. But then they lost to Minnesota 12-10 to 10 in a game where they returned a punt, scored. The refs later said they screwed it up. And that was like in the fourth quarter final minute. Screwed it up or whatever, final minutes of the game. Without question, would have won that game, like barring some Hail Mary situation. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Iowa, again, realistically would be in this discussion, but you would still be talking about a one-loss Big Ten team with a defense that is just insanely producing, even though all the attention is paid to the offense. Like There would have been all these other conversations, but we don't even have to get there because I think Ohio State would be in that conversation at the same level or maybe over Bama. I think Georgia, you know, they lost on the field. Texas proved it. Um, I I wouldn't bet against Florida. Like if Florida played Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia three times each, I'm not betting against Florida State with their backups every single time. I'm not going to yeah. go 
0-9. Yeah. Like, I, I still think that they would be competitive from a defensive standpoint to make a difference in that game. Because none of those other teams, aside from Marvin Harrison Jr., name like the game-breaker offensively, granted, like, you know, Bama and Georgia are a little different. Brock Bowers, like, nobody else is going to fear, make, you know, put fear in a defense like Florida State between those three teams. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, Man, it is what it is. It sucks. It does. Man, look, looking back on the arc of the, the, the Texas season, uh, they started, you know, the the latter half of the season, they were sliding quite a bit. And I wasn't I wasn't very confident that look, when they were had these close games against like U of H and TCU, and I was like, man, if Texas wins the conference here, I will be absolutely thrilled. This is a team that's kind of losing its way a little bit and they they weren't putting teams away like they were supposed to. Then the tech game happens, and it's like, holy shit, when they are actually hitting on all cylinders, this is actually a really good football team. Then we saw the conference championship. In the primetime slot, just, too. They just dis- yes, and they just dismantled Oklahoma State. So, yeah, those look really good on their resume. The, the recency bias is huge in, in sports, right? And here I am thinking, like, like several weeks ago, like, okay, if we can win the conference, that's the season. I'm, I'm thrilled. I don't even care. Like, if we make a playoff spot, that seems like just found money at this point. And here I am th- looking at the the four teams in the playoffs with Georgia out of there. We we know that Texas can play with Bama. I think they match up really well against Michigan. Um, Washington is going to put up points against Texas in their bowl game because that's what they do. But their defense is not strong. I think Texas has as good a shot as any team in there right now. And I, I would I would be saying the exact opposite just you know three four weeks ago. So um, it feels good, man. Last, feels real good. last couple of things on this, but I, I know we're, we're, we're long on college football already. Um, I don't have any hatred for Jim Harbaugh or Michigan. Them pitting Michigan versus Bama in this, like, I don't know if Florida State resents Alabama. It's not their fault, but like in my head, they're the ones who are occupying the seat that shouldn't be theirs. I don't know if people think like Florida State should be there instead of Texas. In my head, it's Bama shouldn't be there. But for those two teams to be matched up makes it very difficult for me to have like a clear cut rooting favorite here. Like I kind of go into it being like whoever wins Texas, Washington, I'm good with mm-hmm. Michigan needs to beat Alabama Yeah, and because I look at it like they're, they're in the seat that shouldn't be occupied uh, and I will try to truncate my uh, anger in this next moment. SMU very handedly won the AAC title game. Against Tulane. Tulane's mm-hmm. quarterback is phenomenal. Michael Pratt had a phenomenal career. Um, I expected them to be very successful. I texted the group, uh, had an exchange with Brett on Monday about SMU's trajectory as a program. And I said, I'm concerned about the conference title game unless I see two things. SMU's coach needs to be uh, re-signed. And it'd be great if uh, Willie Fritz, Tulane's head coach, takes the Houston job. Not five minutes later did somebody, you know, informed me that Rhett Lashley, SMU's coach, had resigned, And not five minutes, which I am wow. uncomfortable with, before the kickoff of uh, SMU Tulane, Willie Fritz, it gets leaked that he's going to go coach to uh, Houston. I didn't even retweet it because I felt like that was just, it felt icky. It felt like <laughs> somebody intentionally like got that information out there to kind of torpedo something. There was no real value and like rushing to be first on it. 
But I get it because those are questions that you want to be able to ask. And that is valid. It just, it didn't feel right. Either really, way. Fritz to UH, U of H is official, right? It's Correct. been announced. Okay. Correct. Yeah. He's done press conference and everything, which he'll, he'll be tremendous. I think is a great fit. It's <clears> a little surprising. Like we had that whole cycle with Jeff trailer, got no job anywhere unless yeah. he goes and takes Tulane, which there's no reason. Um, uh, but yeah, else? so that happened. Sorry, go ahead. SMU wins. SMU's lost to OU, and I think a competitive game. And they got embarrassed by TCU. They should not have been embarrassed. Shoulda, coulda, woulda lost. Like that's a whole different story. But they pissed down their leg in a rivalry game that mattered. Without that, they would be playing potentially Oregon. My confidence levels would not be high. Uh, mm-hmm. But it costs them a lot of money to have lost the TCU and that one burns. They're not there because the playoff committee ranked Liberty who's 13 and 0 ahead of them having played New Mexico state twice. And that's the height of their schedule. 133rd strength of schedule in the nation. And they got held at 13 and 0 over SMU who had beaten Tulane and then actually played bigger schools. The one common factor I think was uh, interesting the same day that Jordan Travis got hurt, Preston Stone, quarterback from SMU, broke his leg as well. When asked about the rankings for SMU Liberty, Boo Kerrigan, who's trash in this house from now on, basically said the broken leg and the missing quarterback for SMU had nothing to do with the decision and then pointed back to uh, Liberty beating New Mexico State two times. Granted, New Mexico State did beat Auburn. The fuck? <laughs> And Auburn hung with Georgia. So maybe Liberty is great. I don't know. But like it was such an in like consistent reasoning with why Liberty was being ranked above SMU versus why Florida State was being ranked out. Very similar situations, minus the undefeated part, obviously. But there was just such inconsistencies throughout the day that it made me very sour. Um, at the end of the day, whatever SMU will go play in the Wasabi Bowl or whatever the fuck. Um, and have a chance to win, go into next year with like a winning record in the ACC, blah, blah, blah. College rant over. Well said, KJ. We'll do a little portal talk, I think, in a little bit. But first, let's hear from our friends at HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? Uh, well, if you want farm fresh, pre portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep, skip trips to the grocery store. Count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Look, holidays, you get extremely busy. Trips to the grocery store, hard to fit in. Then you got to get home. You got to do all the cooking. Just, It's very time-consuming. With HelloFresh, it makes everything so easy. Look, I've used it a few times now. Uh, I'm not exactly uh, you know, handy in the kitchen. But I've used it, and it's so easy, man. All the ingredients are just right there for you, already measured out. It's so easy. Uh, Instructions are easy to follow. Have you used HelloFresh yet, KJ? I've been all about it. It was um, my first time using it was over the summer. I think we were headed to Texas for a couple of weeks, so I didn't want to do a big grocery haul. And I still have two wonderful young children to feed on a daily basis, it turns out. Uh, HelloFresh showed up absolutely clutch meal planning was done for like four or five days was able to knock out 
excellent meals for both lunch, breakfast, and dinner. Uh, it's been tremendous. So we've stuck with it. Uh, in fact, we're in the process of like packing up the house in a similar situation where it's like, hey, there you uh, go. keep things uh, light and nimble. HelloFresh has really fit that for us. They have over 45 recipes and more than 100 seasonal add-on items to choose from every week. Healthy options too, by the way, which is important to me and I know a lot of you out there. So it's easy to find something that everyone will enjoy. Parks loves it too, man. I cooked a few meals for him mm -hmm. and he goes crazy for this stuff. It's in a pinch. It's just so nice and easy and quick and it's really, really good. Uh, go to HelloFresh.com slash bangfree and use code bangfree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash bangfree with code bangfree. That's one word, by the way. America's number one meal kit. All right, before we do NFL, let's just put the portals heating heating up a little bit, right? Today is opening day, December 4th. It's the first day uh, of the portal window. Mm -hmm. It's just a fun time, um, especially if, if – you're a fan of a team who kind of has a little weight to throw around in the NIL market, right? Ohio State is seeing a bunch of guys portal out. Don't know what that's about. Their quarterback, McCord, gone. Don't know what that's about, man. They've had um, a five-star receiver. It's also announced and a, a slew of other guys. Uh, A&M getting hit really hard, which is to be expected when you have a you know coaching turnover the way you do. So um, their defensive tackle, Walter Nolan, who's uh, from Tennessee, he's a, a big name. He's one of the best defensive tackles in the country. He's going to have offers from pretty much anyone. They've had a few other guys bounce. There's some uh, rumors swirling that Evan Stewart, their really mm -hmm. good receiver, is also going to portal out. It's just a fun time, man. I you know that there are a lot of inherent issues, I think, with NI, the NIL era and keeping you know parity uh, strong in college sports. Um, but it, it's added some excitement during a time that would otherwise be unexciting. Yeah. A couple other names of note, uh, Riley Leonard quarterback out of Duke, uh, former quarterback for Mike Elko's now the yep. A&M coach is in the portal, uh, as well as, uh, DJ. Unga -la -la -la. Unga -unga -la -la. Yep, you're way closer. Dylan Gabriel um, quarterback for OU Dylan, is also in the portal. Go. I knew there was a third one. I was don't know. So, yeah. The quarterback he, slate for this year is insane. Um, yeah. Gabriel's rumors are where right now? I think the initial thought was that he would go, he would follow Jeff Levy, which was his OC at OU, to uh, Mississippi State, where he's going to be the head coach. I think Oregon is also considered to be the team to mm -hmm. beat or one of the teams to beat in that one. Um, USC on his list is, or on the list, pretty much for any quarterback that's in the portal right now as well. Um, yeah. I don't know, like, I guess I should back up. It's hard for me to have like a strong opinion on the disruption the portal causes until we're able to get past the players whose like career lengths have been affected by COVID year because we have this like glut of extra year players. So JT Daniels just medically retired at 24, I think. Uh, due to concussions, like he'll go straight into coaching. Um, quarterback out of Rice was what we were talking about earlier. And I think there's a couple other players like that that are going to be ready to go into league at 24-25. Thinking back to when the Cowboys drafted or signed 
Brandon Whedon out of uh, Ohio, Ohio, Oklahoma State, that quarterback, like the knock on him was always like, oh, by the end of his first contract, he'll be 28 years old because he played yeah. baseball. Um, and, you know, that was before TB12 and quarterback careers being 38, 39 years long. People were thinking, like, you might get a contract and a half if he's actually the guy. Yeah. Spoiler alert, he wasn't. So with transfer portal guys, I'm very happy about it because it's where SMU does 90% of their damage. Mm -hmm. They've got a, a very strong high school recruiting program, which is interesting because their transfer portal success has been like top 15. I think last year they might have been like 10 or 11 in the nation. I think Florida State came out of it number one or two. Colorado, I guess, number one because of how many players yeah. they had. Um, SMU had maybe five less people than Colorado transfer in um, to, to be a part of their team. So SMU's yeah. worked the portal to success for many years. Uh, now I'm glad to be here uh, in the portal season. It's just going to be interesting now that we're like transitioning into ACC. We're dealing with all these conference changes, and I think we're starting to get some of the sour grapes about NIL bubble up a little bit, but you know, won't matter until, uh, you know, until somebody changes it and that's not happening in time yeah. soon to bring it back to Texas. Cause that's, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> Texas last year, last off season picked up Adonai Mitchell receiver from Georgia, mm -hmm. who has been huge for Texas this year. He's been a monster. I didn't, I didn't realize um, it was Georgia on that note. He won two national championship rings at Georgia transferred to Texas. He has a chance to have three rings now, which is insane. Yeah. Um, also, nothing I just thought I thought about since I have you know I'm a fan of the team that's in a playoff. Texas hasn't had anyone announce yet that they're in the portal. That's because if they do, I mean, as of starting this podcast, they had anybody announce. If they do now, they miss out on a, a chance to win a ring. So I don't I don't know when this window closes. Forty five days. Okay, so, so they it, it they would have go... time. About a week or two after, well, it might go up until like the week after national championship because they would need time to get their name out yeah. there and be, you know, recruited by programs. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic there. On that note, I mean, we, we talked about it early on in portal existence. Players can enter the portal and it doesn't guarantee that they are leaving. Right. Entering the portal does two things. It releases the school from being obligated to continue their scholarship. You know, it's now, you know, essentially like you're at risk of the, of the school being like, all right, well, you're in the portal. We're going to replace you because, you know, uh, there, there's a risk of them losing you. And then, again, as a, as a player, you can exit the portal as well, decide not to go anywhere. It just allows you to be contacted by other coaches, other schools with their recruiting pitches. And apparently in said portal uh, system, you can mark yourself as, you know, only these schools contact me, open to contact, looking specific. Like you can define, you know, like a Zillow search. You can define exactly what you're interested really? in. Um, that doesn't necessarily always mean you'll only hear about those things. But if you do restrict it to certain schools, like they want to minimize how, like players get blown up during recruiting. It, it's likely 10 times worse than what I ever saw. We were barely, age myself, barely into cell phone era. 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the mid two thousands when I went to it through it or early two thousands, I guess when I went through it, I can only imagine like the headache of having to deal with all of that as a, as an active college athlete now. And yeah. if your team is still dialed in and you do kind of still want to be a part of it, like it'd be too much. So they do have some protections out there, but uh, yeah, we haven't seen any big names fall yet as far as commitments, but I w- I'd venture to guess by our show next week, maybe the week after, Yeah, you know, one of those quarterbacks names will be, will be yeah. taken and, and we'll start to see kind of the ground shift. Also worth mentioning that a lot of these guys who throw their name into the portal don't get picked up by teams. It's, oh yeah. <laughs> it's risky. I mean, you think you can it's, find yeah, a better spot. Good go luck to you. But you might, you might end up in a FCS level or a lower yeah, good level luck to you, but you might, yeah, you might not find a, a landing spot. So it, it's a, uh, it's a wild time in college football is what it is. Yeah. The, um, it makes me think back to last year. There's a headline of Tanner Mordecai announces for the NFL draft when he was leaving uh, SMU. Uh, and then Tanner Mordecai, like two weeks later, transfers to Wisconsin. Um, mm. I think that there are probably going to be some of those as well that try to go the other route, that they declare themselves eligible, get evaluated, find out they're a late round pick and decide to transfer, and that's going to disrupt who's going where. So if your yeah. name's not Caleb Williams, you know, you Care. probably uh, evaluate your options. Make sure you're getting good advice, you know, not that there are any, you know, <laughs> anyone Call listening us. this is going to apply to, but <laughs> get good advice, you know. Make sure that you're, you're, you're not throwing away, uh, you know, a scholarship and an education to go somewhere else when you might not be able to do that, so – I don't want right. to jinx anything or name any names, but we did talk about the luxury situation Texas is in at a quarterback level. I know something's got to give. I know at least one guy's probably leaving. I don't know this, but we expect at least one name. I just always think back to that Texas A&M scenario where they had, what, Kyler Manziel and Kyle Allen in a quarterback room under Cliff. Mm-hmm. And I just think about, like, how squandered that ended up being like, granted it worked out for them with Manziel. And then you had Texas tech with cliff as well with like, I don't know. What was that list? Baker Mahomes, And then, um, the guy who ended up at like West Virginia wasn't terrible. Oh, Brewer, like the Brewer. Yeah. One of the Charlie Brewer, one of the Brewers was there. Like you can end up in these like gold mine situations. And, uh, unless I missed it, I don't think Texas tech or, or, uh, Texas A&M like, won a conference championship national title or anything when they had that embarrassment of riches. Like Texas is in an amazing position. One that maybe only Alabama has been in, in terms of like, you got the guys in the room. Yeah. Just get it done. I expect Malik Murphy to be the one who transfers out. I think Sark knows that his, his future is, is on the shoulders of uh, Arch Manning for the next. Well, yours is expected to stick around, but if he, if he goes crazy in the playoffs, he's not going to, but if he does stick around, I think Arch will, will be happy to be a backup for a year and then it'll be his team uh 2025 and on. I think Murphy's the the, the man who's left out there. And he's Which he's pretty any he's team pretty would green. be welcome to have him. He's very extremely talented but he's very green. He needs some time to develop but he could be a very very good quarterback. Yeah, he doesn't need to be college football playoff ready right now. I mean, we, right. we talk about like how bad did we talk about DJU at Clemson when yeah. Cade Klubnick took that job over and he thrived at Oregon State. Spencer like, absolutely Rattler exploded. Another name who was he struggled a lot at OU got replaced by Caleb Williams, of course, and then he had a, a pretty good couple of years at South Carolina. Yeah. I think last so, year's better knows? than this, but yeah. Uh, all right, let, that puts a bow on college football, I think. Unless you have anything else to say, if not, we can jump nah. into the NFL talk before we get out of here. 
Let's do it. So what so happened on the, NFL, on the sideline here, KJ? Yeah, we had a couple things. NFL, I guess we'll, we'll quick say as a preface, like the Cowboys played Thursday night against Seattle. Um, tremendous game. Very entertaining Thursday night game. One of the best we've had in some time. Uh, I definitely thought that it proved the legitimacy of the Cowboys, which is dumb to say, but they've had the complete opposite schedule of the Eagles, who I'll get to in a second. Of like, They've had their cupcake like month over November. They're going into playing the Eagles, the Dolphins, and the Bills, I think, like all in a short period of time. Um, so that was interesting to see. And then, of course, the Jags play tonight. So I wasn't as dialed in as usual, except for Eagles Niners and then the Packers Chiefs last night. Eagles Niners was... I don't know. It's hard for me to sit here and, like, point fingers at a team like the Eagles who's, like come out of the last three weeks victorious over teams like the Bills, um, over the Cowboys, and I can't remember the other team. And then they got punched in the mouth by the Niners at full strength. Like, it's going to happen. But, man, the Niners rightfully so quickly became, like, favorites, odds favorites for uh, Super Bowl. That was a beatdown. Somewhere, oh, yeah, somewhere in the third Quarter question mark. Uh, there was a tackle near the sideline of the Eagles in which um, a Niners linebacker, insert name here, uh, was kind of just a part of the scuffle. And then you see a very large human being, not in a player uniform, not in a uh, ref uniform, but had an Eagles hat on, kind of begin to break it up. And it wasn't very clear if he was the strength coach or whoever. You can kind of identify strength coaches. I definitely think at like college football, it's very clear. <laughs> strength coaches are very like easy to tell on the sidelines. NFL, a little more murky. Come to find out, it's a guy named Big Dom. Uh, I had to double check, not Big Dorn. Uh, more of a Big Fem guy, but Big Dom apparently is like a known entity for the Eagles fans. And he kind of is breaking it up. And you can tell in the like close up video, he puts his hand on one of the players, the linebacker kind of pushes him out to like break this up. And the linebacker took a swing at him. Well, he kind of, the linebacker he kind of got ejected. He kind of booped him. Didn't he? Didn't he, he touch <laughs> his face a little bit? Yeah, it was, it was definitely like a brush by the nose and cheek. I don't think if it would have fully connected, it would have done much damage, but it certainly was like one of those thrown with the intent of like, get out of here. And I'm willing to do some damage, but he didn't really want to do any damage. <laughs> I was talking about the coach booping the player. I think he actually like touched him oh, on yes. the face, and that's what yes, that's yes, what set, that's I what set him off. The, the retaliation. Yeah, yeah. I think that set him off a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't yeah. you don't want to be touched in the face when you're uh, in a in a heated moment like that. That's for sure. Who was yeah, Who the hell was that guy? Again, Kyle I'm not Shanahan the Packer or the Packers. Kyle Shanahan, post game presser. He had some words to say. He's like, I don't. I don't know why that guy thought he could he could touch my player or whatever he said. Uh, yeah, weird situation. What, yeah, I, so fast forward to today, um, Shaquille uh, Alexander, uh, former linebacker of the Colts, who's a free agent, was looking at, um, and I may, or Shaquille Leonard, not Alexander, uh, formerly known as Darius Leonard, linebacker out of uh, Indianapolis Colts, was a free agent, was looking at the Cowboys, was also looking at the Eagles, has been signed by the Eagles, and the picture of him walking through the airport like being welcomed is with him and Big Dom, the 
Ah, the guy okay. from the sideline incident. He's there. So, welcome uh, it's to not like he's been suspended guy. in the house. Like, uh, <laughs> okay, still present. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll have to look for the twenty for twenty on this guy's uh, history. But yeah, I'm glad to know that I'm at arm's length away from most teams where I don't know the third tier characters. Yeah, um, Niners are for real. Packers look strong. Yeah, the Packers have won four straight. A five out of six. I want to say. Um, assuming Christian Watson isn't injured, I didn't realize they had the youngest roster. Like Matt LaFleur is now 16 and 0 in his career in December, obviously playing in Green Bay in the winters and that advantage for them. It was a respectable win against the Chiefs. It did add some question marks probably for uh, people against the Chiefs, but Packers, I'm, you know, they're six and six. Um, they still obviously have the Lions three games ahead of them. You know, uh, I'd be upward. willing to throw some money uh, on them making it into the playoffs. Doing much past that, I don't know. But I don't uh, from from coming back from like two and six or whatever it was, two and five, like yeah, tremendous. I don't know what to make of Jordan Love quite yet. I've been pretty critical of him. I don't. I, he I'm seems bad. lost on some some games and other games. He looks like he knows what the hell he's doing, and obviously played really well against Kansas City. Well enough. Yeah. Uh, maybe not so bad. That's why I think the first game he's. <laughs> The first game he started was against the Chiefs last year, the year before. I think it was two years ago. And they showed the shot of his parents at the top of Arrowhead Stadium because he was announced as a starter with like four days' notice. And we talked about it on the show, like they should have got him in them in a box. Yeah. And here in Green Bay at Lambeau, they were in a box, uh, respectably so. But he would play terribly that game. I think I wrote him off at that point. Come around on him. Yeah. Lastly, it is Eagles Cowboys week. We won't have a live stream this week, but um, I'm willing to say the winner of this game will win the division. How about that? <laughs> Bold <That's> statement. Big. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this one's in Dallas. It's it's a big one. Don't know what to make of Correct. it quite yet. Eagles. We'll, we'll we'll see who's healthy. Eagles. Yeah, they've been. Sl- I mean, they they've had they've been winning, but they've they've had some games where they haven't looked like themselves. So we'll see. With the one bye week and now in, in each conference, like the Niners, I feel like are far and away going to be in the driver's seat for that. So everything else after that, I guess, would matter for a divisional round home field advantage, which will be key for the Cowboys. You don't want to go to Philly. You don't want to go to San Fran. Um, I guess you don't care if you go to Detroit, but you certainly want to win this so that you don't have to go to Philly. And I'm not sure how to find the sports party music on this board, so I'm going to hit this one instead. Bro, let's go out this weekend. There's a crazy event happening. That's the official, uh, Dylan's official, it's time for the sports party sound drop. Oh, a quick one. A real quick sports party. Ime Odoka, former Celtics coach, current Suns coach? I I cannot cannot tell you. Like, I don't know why I'm blanking on that, but either way. Uh, head coach in the NBA gets into a little conversation with LeBron on the sideline. LeBron gets teed up. Ime Odoka gets thrown out. Takes about a day before we get like audio of what actually is exchanged. And in no short order, does Ime Odoka call LeBron James to his face a bitch like five times? <laughs> What's the history between these two? What, what, what was that about? Shouldn't even matter. LeBron handled it like 
as good as you would ever wish a human being could. And he's just like, hey, don't throw that, that word out too loosely. He didn't threaten them. He didn't say like, hey, watch your mouth or anything like that. He's like, take it easy with that word. Especially like NBA sidelines are very audible. Like fans are within yeah. 10 feet, five feet of you, two feet of you in that position. Like he did handle it. Good really on LeBron. Well. <laughs> yeah. What the, what the hell was that about? I don't there, know. There must be some kind of underlying, like they've, they've had words in the past or they, they, they play together or I'm sorry, against each other at one point. I'm sure. But either way, a uh, soft ass boy was also thrown out. That's right. Um, <laughs> you can't, He's the Rockets coach. coaches don't. He's Dylan. He's Dylan Gabriel's coach, so, or not Gabriel? Dylan Brooks's coach. Yeah, fair. I you got to get your Dylans it. under control. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all we got. Okay. Yeah, that's all we got. All we I got? did throw. Yeah, I did throw brick of the year on here. Um, Boo Corgans, the commissioner of the college football playoff. As I was going through this, I was like, I can't remember anyone sweating bullets and fucking things up more than this guy has. But we are within the same calendar year of Jay Monahan having to do the live PGA press conference. <laughs> and I yeah. feel like that whole weekend and week long exchange for that guy was probably pretty equivalent. And then the big 10 commissioner, like trying to figure out how not to eat his hat to suspend. Um, uh, Jim Harbaugh is probably close, but at the end of the day, they're getting a check for Michigan being in the college football playoffs. So I think he won, but somewhere between Boo Kerrigan and Jay Monahan, both uh, have Jay, fucked it up real good. <laughs> Kerrigan, he he had a it was a difficult it was a difficult decision. I mean, I don't I, I think getting Florida a bag State from the Saudis screwed. isn't SEC. No, no, money, no. I, I'm saying <laughs> no. I'm just saying that, um, like, I, I Florida State was screwed, right? That was the wrong decision maybe if you want to say that but i'm saying it was a difficult one monahan yeah. i think he just has egg all over his face that dude just was really embarrassed i think tail between his legs and took the bag yeah wipes that, it up with dollar bills he, he take he takes my he's my brick my brick of the year it's it's hard for me to say because he got the biggest bag but again i i think all of them at some point uh are making more money than you and i and do not care about the opinions of sheep like me so yeah. fuck if i know Anyways, yeah. that's all I got. No running back this week since I was on the board. I didn't I didn't take notes, but uh I don't think we need it. Strong episode. KJ, thank well you, done. sir. Appreciate Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Congrats to uh Dave and uh his Texas State Bobcats yes. on their victory. Looking forward to hearing more about their upcoming off season. Yep. All right. We'll check in with you guys later. Bye bye. Bye. I want my chips with a dip. That's all I know. I don't want my chips playing. I want my chips with a dip. So bring them dips.